Welcome to this very first episode of Talking Grassroots. I'm your host, Ricky Etridge, and this is a podcast where we'll be talking everything grassroots sport, predominantly local footy, but we'll cover every topic. And with me is a man who I think is pretty fit to talk about local footy. He's played over 250 games of local footy, gave his hand a little bit of American football back in the day, and was recently a president of a local footy club for five seasons. And more importantly, he's my co-host, Ricky, uh, Ricky Logan. <laughs> How are you, mate? <laughs> <laughs> Good, mate. Thanks for uh, having me. Uh, thanks for joining. How was your Christian New Year's, mate? Uh, yeah, pretty tame this year. The uh, missus, uh, unfortunately, has to work through most of it. So, yeah, pretty quiet one, but... I'll hopefully do some stuff uh, later in the school holidays with the boys. Well, that's it, mate. You've still got, what, four more weeks? Well, by the time this comes out, we've got maybe one or two more weeks before kid go, kids go back. Uh, thankfully, my kids will be back at daycare pretty quickly. So this podcast, mate, we, we've done a, pod, a couple of podcasts. We've done podcasts during COVID with our footy club at the time where we sort of spoke to our employers and then we somehow got talking to people around the world. Uh, if you can hear noise in the background, it's just... My one-year-old playing with her baby. <laughs> um, yeah, so we did a podcast where we spoke to our players from the footy club. We were involved at the Sandown Cobras for a long time. And that got us into talking to people all around the world from uh, local footy clubs. We then um, tried our hand at something similar to this uh, where we interviewed local sporting heroes. Unfortunately, the position our footy club was in at the time, obviously me with a young family, that sort of didn't do what we wanted to do, but we thought, you know what, let's bring it back a little bit. Let's still give focus to local footy, but more local footy news and talk about the ins and outs of what happens in local footy. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, we've got lots to discuss coming off uh, uh, off-season. It's quite a quite an interesting off-season going on with a lot of things happening. Um, you know, a few few things happening in different leagues, a few changes on the, on the horizon, so it'll be good to delve into it all. Yeah, and we'll also uh, you know, try and get some guests on. You know, as I said, the previous podcast, we are trying to sort of fill an hour a week with somebody. We just couldn't find the time. But this one will be you know, just more talking to the coaches, the presidents, the people that run the footy clubs about their upcoming seasons. And uh, we do have a few connections because this, you know, we are from Halfback Digital Media. We do go out and film games. We do have quite a bit of a connection to a lot of club, um, clubs and people involved in clubs now. So I said, Rift, you uh, have played over 250 games of local footy. You're still playing local footy at the moment down at Morty Alex Supers. Uh, tell us a bit about your sporting background, mate, and what, you know, when did you start playing footy and all the other sports that you did? Um, I, I came to footy pretty pretty late to the game, actually. I was 25 by the first time I played my first game of footy down at Sandown. Um, I'd previously been doing some jiu-jitsu, some boxing and stuff, so that sort of... Um, you know, MMA training and that, you know, the the year or two before coming to Sandown. Um, and prior to that, I played some gridiron uh, under under 19s it was at the time. So I played, ended up playing three seasons, but I broke my foot my first year. Uh, so I missed the whole season my rookie year and would have uh, won a f- grand final because we went undefeated and, and won the flag that year. But I was unfortunately on the sidelines in a moon boot, so... Missed all that, but um, yeah, then I, I yeah came to Sandown at 25, got dragged down because they needed a few extra numbers to fill out a thirds team and ended up, a few of the boys that I played gridiron went down at the club as well. Um, my brother came with me at the time and so yeah, we we uh, started playing at Sandown and you know what they say, the rest is history. I was 15 years later, I was uh, 
Yeah, we unfortunately had to make the tough choice to, to go into recess. And we'll get into that at some point by this episode or next episode. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and then uh, when I turned 35, uh, I started playing supers footy because my old man uh, played a long, had a long career of playing supers. So I, I went and played for the club he last played for in Frankston. Um, enjoyed my time there. Got to play in a granny down at uh, Casey Fields in the absolute pissing down monsoon rains. It was that bad that I lived, I don't think, even 500 metres away from it, from that ground at that time, and I didn't even venture down there to watch you. Yeah. And I'll, I'll travel down to watch you sort of wherever you play, and that was just too far from me and day like that. Yeah, no, that was uh, one of the worst worst conditions I've ever played any sport in, let alone footy, and trying to kick a ball in those conditions was horrendous. But we lost by a, uh, a topo goal in the last quarter that, uh, you know, put the team up by four or five points to win it. So that was uh, disappointing. But then, yeah, uh, our good friend Matthew Jolly, uh, he got me down to Morty because he had a couple of mates playing there. He's, you know, a couple of years younger than me. So he started playing Supers and he said, I'll come down and play there. I said I'd fill in here and there. You know, I didn't want to commit to playing two teams and then before you know it, I'm playing every second week at Morty Alley. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure the story goes that you told, told the wife that, Oh, I'm not going to play supers this year. I just focus on playing the sand down. And Joey said, oh, come down and play a game. You'll fill in. And next thing you know, you'll calculate your games. Like, okay, I need to play three more to qualify for finals. Sorry, Tam, I'm, I'm playing for Morty now. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much that's how it went. And uh, then I'm pretty sure you tried to fit some uh, jiu-jitsu in, in, in that little uh, very spare time you had. Yeah, yeah, I was doing that. I do that more in the off-season. I try to, you know. But, yeah, it was good. I'd, it's been good going down to Morty Alec and um, – and joining a new team and, and having a good bunch of guys there. We, we made the final the first year uh, playing in the, the resis, uh, or the masters as they call it, in um, over 35s. Yeah, uh, feel, I'm, yeah. we're partnered with uh, AFL Masters Victoria and I still can't get my head around exactly what they want to call what. But um, yeah, Morty, you going down to Morty, Alec, I've sort of got involved with the club through halfback and meeting, you know, actually having a... Um, uh, someone there actually I sort of knew, which I didn't even know that I knew in Big Ed. And uh, my experience with Morty have been very welcoming. And when uh, he had dropped some stuff off for me a while ago now, Cal was like, oh, he's a really nice man. I think you, know, you should go down and play there. I'm like, yeah, that's why I'm going there. So um, what about your first – what's your first recollection of watching local footy? Oh, that'd be my old man playing footy. So I, I'd, my parents split up when I was, I was really young. Um, so I didn't really get to watch my old man play a lot of footy because he would play that on the weekends. He didn't have us kids, you know, so he'd try and work it out like that. But um, when I got a little bit older and we used to go there, you know, school holidays times and things like that, spend a couple of weeks with him. So I do remember going and watch my old man play um, so over 35s footy. Um, like the one of the earliest memories I, I remember him watching it, like a, probably like Monbolk or that sort of area pretty muddy sort of field and there was a women's game on before his and some of these women back then playing footy was some of the meanest toughest looking women you've ever seen and that was quite daunting as a little kid seeing you know these uh big women and, you know back then footy wasn't common for for women to be playing but it was pretty it's pretty good that it had you know a women's presence all the way back then um and some of the blokes used to try and hang shit on those women and it didn't end well for them <laughs> Um, but then, yeah, my dad actually ended up playing at Edinburgh Reserve. I think it was about 97, 98 um, for the Southern Lions, they were called. 
they were they were an over forties team. So at that time they had the Masters was over forties, and his good mate Willow Gary Wilson started that team there at at uh, Edinburgh while Sandown was in recess for a couple of years due to some financial trouble and some other things that went on. Um, and yeah, I remember watching him play there, and that was some really high quality footy for that team. They were, I think they went undefeated. Back then, they didn't actually have finals for the over 40s. It was, you know, social. Um, but, yeah, sort of, you know, teams knew who were the top teams and things like that. Um, yeah, and they were pretty pretty un, unreal team to watch. Uh, they got I got to watch them play at Victoria Park. They played a game there, um, which would have been like a grand final uh, sort of thing. Um, they got to play a game at the Ted Whitten match. They they played a curtain raiser, Vic Metro curtain raiser. I think it was Vic Metro versus Vic Country. So that was a pretty cool thing. So yeah, a lot of uh, local footy was basically my old man. Um, he played until he was fifty seven years old. Um, until his his knees gave up. I you know, first year at Sandown, he did come down and play a couple thirds games with us. So it was pretty cool. I got to play uh, alongside my brother and with my old man. Yeah, very nice, mate. And so what about you, mate? Like, how did you get started in footy? When did you start playing? And how long uh, you been playing for? Mine, my story is just that typical young kid love footy from an early age. As soon as you were uh, old enough to go and play footy, you did. So I started playing footy at, I would have been seven. It would have been seven. I remember we went down the year before and mum and dad were trying to get me to play down a year earlier and I was told I was too small, uh, which was quite funny considering that you know, when I was under 11s, I was playing with kids that when I was six were still you know, smaller, <laughs> smaller than me than when I was six. Um, now, so I played for uh, Karen Patterson Lakes, now probably better known as CPL. Played, um, what did I play there? Played, I think, almost 100 games there, I think. I played two years of nines, tens, 11s, and 12s. And then um, at the start of high school, we ended up moving out to Cranbourne. So then I went and shifted from under 13s and just played, out at, played at Cranbourne, then played that. Through to my 18, so every year, didn't miss a year of footy, and then sort of finished my 18s at Cranbourne and wasn't really too sure where I wanted to go or what I wanted to do, and at the time, mum worked with who was the captain at the time of Sandan, Rubbo, and he was actually trying to get me in Sandan, I think, when I was 16, so I started two years left of eight, under 18s, he was trying to get me down there, because obviously, you know, being the size that I am, I was a big boy compared to most people at that age, and I sort of made the decision that now nah, I'll finish out playing like underage footy. Um, so yeah, then sort of didn't know what to do when I turned up, was heading into under 18s and mum said that Robbo was still at Sandown. So I ventured down there and was it 15 years later and still there. I think I've missed, you know, I had one season off in that period where I just sort of lost the love of the game. Actually, no, it was from injury. That was actually one where the doctor sort of told me that I probably need to take a year off from my groins, which I did. But other than that, besides the... And one big injury, I actually have played there ever since and haven't missed a season. And unfortunately, injuries got me at the end and COVID stopped that. But yeah, so that's probably my local footy, just sort of the standard. You go play when you're a kid and you just play through until you stop, which unfortunately was end of 2022 with a few injuries piling up and the family and surgery required to uh, keep playing. I decided that uh, the butt was probably enough. So back... Back when you were a kid playing at CPL, what was what was the sort of uh, standard like from going to CPL and then moving across at a B 
bit younger, older age over to Cranny. What was the shift like there? To be honest with you, the actual standard, I don't really remember much of the standard back then. The only thing that I really, I think, maybe makes the standard feel a bit different is when I was at CPL, we were just at the bottom of the table. We'd never... Yeah, we might have won a yeah, we won a couple of games. It was like, oh yeah, we won a game. How good's this? But when I moved across the cranny, the first year we actually made a grand final. So and was in a good team. So I don't know if it was necessarily skill level. And obviously, an underage is big different. But I think just because I went from a team that was barely winning into a team that started winning, and then very quickly went back to a team that weren't winning. So I think it was just. Um, I think the difference was that you know, when I was at CPL, I was playing sort of ruck and uh, full back just because I had the biggest kick in the team. We used to get battled every week, so I was all put the biggest bloke and you know, the best bloke with the biggest boot at full back. And then when I went to Cranbourne, I actually got shifted to full forward. I remember, I was like, oh, here we go. Every kid, yeah, you want to play forward. They're only going to get one go in the practice match. I was like, oh, shit, here we go. They're going to they're gonna put me back to full back and I'm not going to be able to join me 40. And then... I think round one, I kicked like four or five, I think it was, and that was it. I've been full forward ever since. Haven't left a 50 haven't since. Left. That's actually a lie. I think there's a couple <laughs> of times on the 16s I played full back, and that was purely because we played against, I think it was Mosgill Park. Might have been Mosgill Park. Or it was maybe Waverley. But we played against a team, and they had a good full forward. And we'd crossed past a few times in underage footy, and... We just we didn't like each other, but we had that sort of mutual respect for each other. And back back when I was younger, I was a real nigger. Like I'd I'd get under your skin, like as as a full forward, I'd get under the full back sink skin to really piss him off. So I actually asked, it must have been on sixteens because Marky Franken was out, was my coach, and I've gone, oh, can I play full back? And this guy was leading the uh, leading the best, uh, not the best and first, leading the goal kicking for the league and. We, we weren't really doing anything special. We are sort of like a mid-range team. Probably weren't making finals. He's going, yeah, do it. So I went back there and just annoyed the living shit out of him. And that was about the last time I actually left the goal square besides the one time I played up on the wing. So I've I've played footy alongside you now for 10-plus years and you've done well to keep it quiet that you've ever let, ventured to the back line whatsoever, let alone played full back. There's a very important, <laughs> a big reason I've done that, mate, is because I do not want to go back there again. Yeah, you've done real well to hide that. I do think, though, my record sort of holds itself that with Cobb that wore out, I deserve to be at full forward, mate. <laughs> All right, so we'll get stuck into it, mate. And so we first thing we might just touch on, as we mentioned, you are, are still playing at Morty. Um you started pre-season yet? Yep, started. They did uh, about four weeks of pre-season, starting uh, mid-November to mid-December, with a um, a week off for an AGM in between as well. So yeah, ran for five weeks technically, but yeah, four four sessions they did. So, uh, article was written in the local leader uh, back in December. Talking about um, local clubs' pre-season start dates, and the question was sort of put out: How early is too early? And you know, you know, some clubs they'll start sort of early November, mid-November, and I feel like at one point a lot of clubs sort of shifted pre-season to nothing before Christmas, and we just get back into it sort of mid-Jan. That sort of does now feel like it's shifted back to a bit of pre-season. How early do you think is too early for local clubs? Like you got to think these blokes are they're family men, they work. They're already probably at the top level in local footy. You're probably dedicating three, like two nights 
a full Saturday and potentially another one for some clubs. Like, that's a lot of time in season and then to be asking them to do it out of season as well. Yeah, so I, I sort of, reading this article, I, I sort of flipped and flopped my mindset on it a little bit actually. And I think if you had asked me this question pre-COVID, my answer probably would have been a little bit different. I would have said, you know, give them off to after Christmas, you know, let them, let everyone refresh, come back January. That's pr- pretty much how I did most of my career. I, you know, wasn't going to, you weren't going to see me much before Christmas. But you then barely I barely see me before March. Yeah. Um, but I think if the mindset is changed differently a little bit here, I think some of the top end teams, they're going to do a big running block and they're going to do a lot of running and all that sort of pre Christmas. And if you're a top end team, 100%. You know, you've probably got fitness standards that you need to maintain and, and get to. And, you know, you don't you don't want to drop off over Christmas. And, you know, I know they're doing skin folds and things like that. But that's kind of the standards these, some of these top-end teams want to... Oh, I wouldn't be surprised if some of the, uh, the top-level teams are doing that type of stuff, though. The skin yeah. folds. I wouldn't be surprised. And, you know, we're going to talk about salary caps and stuff later on. When there is a fair bit of money getting thrown around, I can completely understand... A decent block pre-Christmas happening. But I also think the important thing is getting back out there with the boys and getting together for our mental health. Yeah. I think a big part of sport that uh, gets sort of pushed to the fight and f- side and forgotten about is it is such a great benefit to men's mental health, being out there and having fun and, and having a kick with your mates and also blowing off some steam. And it is a big outlet for a lot of these guys. So I think... For some of these lower, you know, lower end teams that aren't, aren't, you know, they're not delivering the highest standards. They're not expecting the highest standards. But just getting together like us at Mordialic, it was get together, have a run around, get the mates together. You, there's cold beers afterwards for all the blokes. And it's just, um, it helps guys, especially at an older age, once you stop playing and you have a few weeks off, it is harder to get back into it. So I think that's that's a pretty important one. Yeah, see, I'm, I'm sort of similar to you. Like, at times I've just been like, what is the point? Like, you've got all this time in season. I think one thing that's my issue with local footy pre-season, pre-Christmas, and probably even maybe pre-Feb, is they look at, understand, you know, you've got your fitness, and you just said there's a lot of money being thrown around, so you need your blokes to be fit. I think too many local clubs look at AFL and say, okay, they're doing all this running. We've got to do running. Let's put the footies away. And then you're complaining about a lot of clubs will complain our pre-season numbers haven't been that great. Don't, don't do that, folks. Bring the footies out straight away. That's one thing I think gets lost a lot when they talk about pre-season is, oh, okay, we don't bring the balls out for the first month. It's just running. Well, you can do all the running that you want in the world, but you've got about three or four weeks off over the Christmas break. That running can just go out the window straight away. A bloke's jump on the piss for too long or eat too much food, which is fine. And as you said, like higher levels, the blokes that are being paid good money to play local footy, they've probably got their own standards and they know they've got to keep up to it outside the footy club. But I think a shift needs to be made, and probably has been made. I'm not really 100% sure. I know that at the club we were involved in, a shift was made in the last few years where footies were out first night. I remember a few years ago, club that we were at, we had a coach come in. I'd never, if you see me before March, it was a miracle. I was like, yeah, I'll come down, I'll see what this new coach is like because I remember he was talking about footies out first night. We won't be doing stupid running. If you're a midfielder, you'll do your running. If you're a forward, you'll do forward work, back, do back work. I went down there, 
first night, balls pinging around. End of the night, the midfielders done their running, the forwards did forward, backman did backman stuff. That was great. I think I was at every night before Christmas. And then obviously, unfortunately, things happened over Christmas. He had to leave and a new coach come in. Mate messaged me. He's like, you come to train tonight? I'm like, oh, I'll hold off and I'll just sort of see. Let me know the feedback, you know, how much running is involved. I get a message probably, I don't reckon, five minutes after training to finish. like, yeah, we'll see you in March, mate, because that's too much running for your liking. And that's the thing, like, you want to attract the blokes like me that aren't the fittest blokes in the world but love kicking a footy and love being around. You want them there at pre-season. So have something where they're not running 10K a night and you actually probably get them blokes there, which then picks up your club's numbers in pre-season, which then takes while we just talk about clubs struggling for numbers. Yeah, I 100% agree. And I think one thing that is is sort of overlooked is, like I said, the getting the boys together is probably more important. You could have, you know, 50 blokes at training or running laps, right, and you become the fittest team in the land. Then you rock up to your first game and there's no chemistry built within the team. There's no, you know, guys don't, you know, they don't know that this guy's going to lace it out, this guy's going to pop it up a little bit and put a bit of air on it. You know, one's a left footer, one's a right footer, and all those sorts of things. I think team chemistry is a big thing. And if you want to use AFL as an example, AFL has footies out from day one of preseason. They've all they've they've been doing their fitness and stuff throughout their off season. Well, they should be doing it. They've all got their program. But you see, you can go to an open training session at your favorite footy club if you're a member, or whatever. And there's footies out the whole time. Yeah, they've got running and they're going to do extra running on top of all that stuff. But they're working on structures. They're working on game plans. They're working on building team chemistry. And if you've brought new players into your club, you know, we're going to, again, we're going to go through all these new signings, all these guys that have been signed at new clubs. You want to know the bloke can actually play footy. And the difference is, as well, with the AFL, is they've got the balls out. But they'll do a lot of running pre-season. But the amount of running they're doing pre-season compared to even in round 10 at training isn't a hell of a lot different. It might be scaled back a little bit intensity, but they're still running probably 6K a day, 7K a day in season training. So um, so speaking of uh, numbers on the track earlier, mate, we've good news. Um, so obviously, unfortunately, some clubs you know, will go into recess and we'll get in touch on that in a minute. But one club that... Uh, Went back in the recess in 2023, who's now back in the outer races, the Yay Tigers. They're setting their sights on season 2024. Um, and the apparently they had, it's a couple of weeks ago now, but they had 34 on a track on a Sunday for pre-season training. Yeah, it's good to hear. Uh, Yay's a sort of small area, country, you know, for those that aren't familiar. Um, but it's good that a club was able to, you know, Knew where they were at, knew that going to recess for a year was something they had to do to to rebuild the finances and stuff and do what they needed to do. And it's good that people have got behind it and supported it and getting it back up and running. Um, there's another club in the area that's within that league that is going into recess, not too far from uh, Yay, and that's Broadford. Um, so you sort of one comes in, one goes out, which is uh, unfortunate. Um Hopefully Broadfords is just similar story to Yay, where one one year off and come back in. There's a couple of clubs around the uh, around the state that have actually unfortunately had the issues of going out so and coming back in. Where Yay, I think Yay's a big one because Yay's definitely in that sort of area 
where it's you still classified as country, but it's still sort of close enough to metropolitan Melbourne. Yeah, it's um, it's one of those places that's sort of on the way to a lot of places. A lot of uh, you know, if you're coming from sort of out of out of southeast and stuff, going to you know, going up to the snow and things like that. There's all, you know, yeah, he's one of those towns that a lot of people just stop through on their way through to things. So it's it's good that they were able to get up uh, up and going again and uh, hopefully they're, they're able to have some success. But I, I was sort of thinking about this league in its entirety a little bit. And I think it's interesting how big this league, the area covers, and I think that's a bit of the problem for some of these teams is um, Hallam, that's just down the road from us, actually joined this league. And I couldn't think of anything worse than having to travel an hour and a half to go play footy every week. You've got a club who is literally in the suburb that we are in that played in outer reach before they shifted. Like, that's a long way to travel. Like, I, I do understand that it, it's probably... Without complete knowledge of the league, it's probably very structured, sort of similar to Southern, where your divisions are sort of almost regionally based, not by any, not on purpose is how it works. But, geez, to be travelling an hour and a half for a game of footy. So I I did a little research with Broadford going out. Broadford I got a soft spot for because I used to live in the area. I went to school into Broadford for a little while. My brother actually went to school with uh, Barry Hall when he was uh, at Broadford, and he was one of the stars that came out of the Broadford Footy Club. The the shortest travel Broadford does is an hour, right? So most teams they have to travel to play is an hour and a half That's a, each way. I, I just it's one thing we're talking about this being like big. We got any listeners that play out country country? They're probably gonna be sitting there going, "Oh, fucking hell, that'd be that'd be brilliant." But we are talking about outer east, which as we said is sort of has some like metropolitan areas attached to it. So. Yeah, and I, I think that's a. A bigger problem with AFL Victoria as a whole was some of these leagues that are spanning such big areas, but then you've got other leagues that are cross-sectioning that area as well. So Broadford tried to go to the Kyabram uh, Football League and they, they got knocked back because I, I'm guessing they thought that the travel and all those things would be a lot less and would be better if they was, they'd be better suited to that league. Unfortunately, they got mac- knocked back from that. And when you actually see... right. Where clubs in the Coburn League play, and how far like that actually is from, say, Narry Warren, where Narry Warren play Outer East, and Broadford are actually trying to get into that league to get out of the Outer East. That just shows you the travel right there, like how far wide this Outer East league is. Yeah, it's it again. I'm saying it's probably a, a AFL in itself, and AFL Victoria probably needs to look at. I think some of these other leagues, there's some other leagues down Geelong way that are trying to do things to sort of lessen, you know, the travel involved in their clubs. But um, I think some of these leagues are a bit stuck in their ways. They've had these certain teams in this league for a long time and um, they're reluctant to, to make any changes. And I'm sure we're going to touch on another league that's been reluctant with change. So from this article that was posted on the – so it was back in November, uh, yay, President – Peter Armstrong said that we've signed a lot of players and we're still building. To have 34 at our first training session is good. We haven't had that for a long time. It was good to see a lot of younger blokes and a lot of new people as well as players coming back. 
It was a great atmosphere. They all enjoyed it. And new coach, Mitch Scully, ran a good training session. So, yeah, you're obviously going to have the seniors reserves and hopefully under 18 is back for 2024, which is actually pretty incredible to go from recess due to a lack of numbers um, and then be able to bring in under 18. So the flip side of that is the fact that they were in recess. Now, we're involved in a club which unfortunately had to bite the bullet and go into recess this year, which was probably the best, better of the two options that we had, considering that we went to that AGM thinking that the club's probably going to be uh, the club's probably going to be on its way out. Um, now, people have their own opinions of clubs, right? Now, you were the president. Look at the Sandown Coppers, right? And you were the president of Sandown for five years, four, four years in the end. Yeah. All right. Now. Obviously, I was a vice president as well. So, uh, one of the reasons that we had to give for re- why we went to recess was just financial, right? Now, I know that Big Footy is probably not the place you should be fucking looking for stuff, but I read a, I read a comment on Big Footy, and someone made the assumption that because we put in our post that it was a financial struggle, that obviously Sandown was in massive debt. Now, as the president who knows the situation. And not just for Sandown, but just for all clubs in general that unfortunately might find this and end up in this situation. Do you find the fact that people just assume that you're in massive uh, clubs in massive debt very frustrating? Knowing you knowing the ins and outs of what happened, does that annoy you when people just make these wild assumptions? And then because it does sort of make sense, because you hear a lot of clubs when they fold or go in the recess that they're broke, they owe league thousands of dollars. How does that sit with you to hear stuff like that? Not just for our club, but for any club that's in that same situation where that is just complete and utter false. Yeah, I think the first mistake you made is going on big footy. I did say that. <laughs> I did say that. Um, I thought I think it is. It's always one of those things that there's rumours are going to go around, and no no matter what you do. And when we decided that recess was the best option for us, it was because we wanted to avoid the club getting into massive amounts of debt and then being forced into into recess or forced to close the doors altogether. So we were consciously making the decision that we were going to leave the league and go into recess not owing them a cent. We don't owe the league a cent. We don't owe creditors, you know, all the bills are paid, basically. Um, we're not. We've been in a situation before where the club has been in a lot of debt, and smarter people than us have worked hard to to make sure that that debt was cleared. And I know other clubs, like you said, have have been in the situation. One of the most successful clubs in our time in Southern, or semi-successful, was Mount Waverley. They were in a situation that debt forced them out. This was a team that. Had only you know, in just before going under, had smashed us by two hundred something points, um, and to find out that they were just accumulating debt and doing those things, you know, obviously there's players players still getting paid or promises of getting paid, playing against us that were struggling to keep the doors open, and doing the wrong things. We were doing the right thing. We've been trying trying our best to do the right thing. Um, so yeah, it's it's disappointing, but the rumours are always going to be there when you. You're involved with local footy and and on big footy, some of the best rumours I've ever heard are on there that have never come true. So. Mate, I've uh, 
I honestly reckon it could be a seg. It could be a segment, but the problem is you just spend far too long trying to find the five biggest, like most outrageous theories on big footy because you'd find five, you'd you'd flip a page and there's another one. Um, but yeah, so I just thought I'd bring that up because I did see that and was a little bit like, well, you know, I understand that sometimes it can be true, but you probably shouldn't be speaking out of school. But as you said. Uh, that's big footy. So back to just before we move on, talk about Yay coming out of uh, recession. Now, this is the club that's not wasn't in recession, but unfortunately they didn't have a senior team last year. So Rushworth, who play out in the Kyburn League, Kyburn District League, um, last year only fielded a reserves team, won three games. Where at the moment they've signed a senior coach, and then on the actual Kyburn District League fixture has them scheduled to play senior footy. So that'd be fantastic to get a club that only had reserves last year back in playing seniors. Yeah, not only signed a coach, that they've signed a former Casey Demons assistant coach, Mark Wheatley. So that's a pretty good, you know, going on paper to be a former assistant of Casey Demons. Um, must have a pretty decent resume and bring a, a lot of expertise to Rushworth. So um, obviously they see him as a guy that's going to help them get back to where they need to be, which is good luck to them. Yeah, absolutely. So... We've got a fair bit more to cover, but we'll probably almost wrap that one up here. Actually, no, we won't. I've got one more for you. Just let me find this article. So we mentioned before... I'm not going to find the article. I don't need to. So we mentioned before about... Um, who was it? Broadford wanting to move out of the Outer East. Um, and so one club that shifted league to Outer East and shifted back is Hallam. What are your thoughts on Hallam moving from SFNL to Southern Football Netball League out to the Outer East, spent one year there, and then come back to the Southern? Yeah, I, I find it quite odd, to be honest. I think um, I'm not too sure if there's been some committee changes and things like that. I, I'm assuming that there has been throughout that time. I thought if you were making the decision to move a league, you'd probably do that with the intent of giving it at least three years to sort of settle in and... Um, and see where you're at. I don't, I don't think a year gives anyone any idea of where the club was at. So I think it's, you know, the money it would have cost them to move across and then to now move back, um, that would, you know, jumpers and all that sort of stuff that they're now going to have to get another new set of because Southern's now got new sponsorships and things involved. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was odd. Um, wish them all the best. I hope that, you know, I found it strange that they chose to go out there to begin with. I, th- I thought Hallam's always been a pretty decent team within the Southern. They've always been up there, thereabouts. You know, they're, they're not, they haven't been as a cellar-dwelling team for a long time. They've always been up there and doing all right. So it was quite strange to me. From my understanding, I, I could be wrong because you see, you can't really take what you hear as truth. But I remember I had a conversation with somebody quite heavily involved with Hallam at a league presentation night. Just before it was announced, they were leaving Southern. And from my understanding was they wanted to shift to country. So they wanted to move to um, AFL Victoria country. Uh, they wanted the netballs aligned. And I just, no knocking them. You know, it could have been something where they had a three- to five-year plan in place. And after 12 months, they just went, this is untenable. If we keep this up, we might lose all these players that we've brought in. Um, I also do feel, I'm not too sure how they went, but just in general, when clubs change leagues, and this is a prime example with um, Oakwood Districts when they shifted leagues, for some reason, 
when the new leagues will put clubs in to play the division higher than what they actually really should be. Yeah, and I think on the flip side, Southern has done really well at sort of judging when leagues have come to them, which division they should be in. So it's been, I don't know if that's, you know, like Southern League's teams are getting sort of rated higher than what they really are um, compared to others. But the point you made with the netball is an interesting one because something Southern, you know, a lot of teams within the Southern have netball teams, but they all play at a central location. So I do understand the appeal of getting your netballers to play at the same venue and play against the same teams as you um as the country league teams do, you, you know, that would be a, an appealing thing, I think. And I think hopefully in the future, the Southern gets to a point where the netball teams are, you know, playing at the same venues and things like that, or or across multiple venues um, against the same teams and things. I think it's more just the. I, I don't think it's it's necessarily. Not enough netball teams. I think it's just purely because you look at the country leagues and, you know, we go watch a lot of country footy with what we do at halfback and you've got the netball courts there. There's not many footy grounds that we go to that we've played at in Southern or when we've gone and filmed VAFA games or Metropolitan games where there's actually a netball court there. I feel like if Southern was to have maybe three-quarters of the league to have netball teams have a netball court at their venue, they might they would potentially shift... The other difference is a lot of clubs in Metro might only have like sort of seniors, like A grade, or B grade, maybe C grade tops where you get to the country, you get there from the 16s like in the West Gippy and they've got under 10s playing and they finish and the seniors at bloody three o'clock. So they've got a full day worth of it. Um, but speaking of clubs moving leagues, um, two clubs out of the VAFA, uh, Ivanhoe and Old Paradians um, have been accepted into the Northern League. So they're shifting from Vaffa to Northern, which Vaffa seems to be losing quite a few uh, clubs in recent years. I'm not too sure if it's what the cause of it is. Is it the fact that um, no salary cap in the Vaffa, the, the potential missed revenue from... Um, things from the bar to the gate, but to see two clubs in space of a couple of weeks all shift across from one league to another, it's, um, which has actually caused VAFA to completely restructure their league as well. Yeah, so they've sort of restructured, they're down to 61 teams, 10 teams per division with uh, Division 3, we'll have 11. Um, yeah, it's interesting, I think, like I said, the, the revenue side of things is probably one that attracts people to the other leagues where they are able to charge gate, they are able to serve beer at different times compared to the VAFA. VAFA has pretty strict alcohol policies. You you can only drink in the rooms and things like that. Um, but it's VAFA's always been a league that's got a lot of history to it. I think that's why a lot of teams have always stayed within the VAFA. They probably don't even consider going elsewhere because it's this sort of, you know, it's one of the old original original Metro Leagues, isn't it? So yeah. um, it is interesting to see teams leave. Um, the flow-on effects could be interesting, especially with old Paradians. They had a thirds team. Okay, well, sorry. I've just, VAFA actually only lost a club not many years ago in St. John, uh, St. Xavier Francis, who ended up becoming Narry South. So, in the co- case of about five, and South Mornington as well. So, in the case of, well, 
five seasons, they've actually lost two to north, northern, two to southern. So they're actually losing clubs from different areas. Yeah, and it's, again, the VAFA spans such a wide area. You could have teams travelling, you know, metro-wise, but they're still travelling a fair way just to play within their, their league. And um, the divisions, you know, there is six divisions of footy. There are sort of quite all over the place. And, you know, you can't can't say, oh, I want to play teams close to me because you could have a team that's going to belt you by 300 points every week and travel 20 minutes and you get to play a more competitive game. So um, it is a bit of an interesting one. But I think thirds is where, you know, the the Northern League doesn't have a thirds competition. Um, so that would be interesting to see if the old Paradians lose some of those blokes that were playing in a, you know, thirds in Vaffa is a pretty social sort of comp. Yeah. Um, so you might get some of those guys that aren't aren't willing to sort of step up and try and play twos footies. So I'll, I would expect to see a few blokes drop off from them. And the other club um, is the Western Rams, who will be shifting from the Riddle District to the Western Region. And the um, the reason that they're shifting across is just purely based on the power, the strength of the league. So, so they, they are. Correct me if I'm wrong, but they uh, have the longest losing streak in all of Vic football. I'm pretty sure you are right. I did read that somewhere. I haven't got that written down, Brian. So they are they're at 69 games lost, um, which that is that is tough. Um, so you, you would be looking at any any opportunity you can to sort of make a change to try and try and change your fortunes for the Rams. So uh, hopefully, changing leagues helps them out. Yeah, so that will um, yeah, so they'll shift from the riddles and that will move into uh, so Western Region is going to shift to two divisions. Um, yeah, so they've also lost they've Deer shifted. Park and yep. St Albans have both gone to yeah they went last year. Um, so so yeah, so they'll be in Division Two. Um, and they just they feel like they'll be a bit more competitive, and you can you can never knock. A team like some people may sit there and go, "Well, they've just shat, shat all over Western Region by saying it's going to be easier." But if you're getting, you know, we know that leagues have different standards, and you, the thing is, leagues can be the top divisions of two leagues can be neck and neck, can be pretty much. You put the top three teams in this top division, top three in this, and they're going to be. It's when you start dropping divisions where the gap in level of quality can happen. And that just purely comes from the area you really, you're in. Like you may have an area where you have just abundance of talent and three suburbs over, there's none. Yeah. So I don't think, you know, I think a lot of people might read those, oh, well, they've already just, you know, given it to Western saying they're no good, but it's just, it's, it's, it's facts. Like, Oh, and there's no guarantee when you're you've lost sixty nine games in a row. It doesn't mean you're going to walk into another league and and win your first game in in what however many years three four years that's been. Um, but it it does show the bigger problem with Metro football altogether, isn't it? That there is such a big stark difference between some of these leagues that cross over each other as well. Um, you know, Southern, VAFA, MPNFL have all got clubs within, you know, 
walking distance of each other and they're playing in three different leagues. And the like, funny thing that you say that is you've gone Vafa Southern and MPNFL and MPNFL isn't even a metropolitan league. Yeah, which is it's crazy that you know, they're not classed as a metro league when they're, you know, a handful of their teams all down the road from southern yeah. teams that are metro. So it's, a, yeah, and MPNFL apparently tried to poach some teams, but then that all got knocked back. So there's there's been a lot going on with teams trying to move leagues and things. And we will get into that. But I reckon that might wrap us up for the first episode of uh, Talking Grassroots. Um, so this will be out every Thursday. Uh, yeah, Thursday or Friday, I will determine when comes out probably Thursdays give people a couple of days to listen to it before the local footy uh, kicks in uh, you can get it wherever you get your podcast iTunes Spotify probably Google Play I think that's still a thing Amazon that's still a thing um, you can also watch it on the Halfback Digital Media YouTube page um, but mate thanks for joining us and in the coming weeks we'll probably start getting to a few top fives and you know, top five grounds that we've played at top five grounds that we've filmed at during the season we'll you know, halfback digital media, we go out and we film a lot of games of footy. We'll probably sort of talk about some of the things that we see. And I sort of wish we'd done that podcast, this podcast, this previous year, because there's quite a few, uh, you know, don't even how many times on a Saturday night I would get home, get my games done, sit down, call you about what we do in the game that I just witnessed. But, uh, witnessed. but mate, thanks for joining me. And uh, I'll see you next week. Thanks, Matt.